0: Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you download our free Living Truth app. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah chapter 7, verses 1 through 4, called, Emmanuel, God with us.
1: At that time, King Ahaz sent to the kings of Assyria for help. You think he would have called out to God. For again, the Edomites had come and attacked Judah and carried away captives. The Philistines also invaded the cities of the low land and of the Negev of Judah and had taken Beth Shemesh, Ajalon, Gedareph with Soko and with its villages, Timnon, its villages, Gimzo with its villages, and they settled there. For the Lord humbled Judah. Why? Because of Ahaz, king of Israel, for he had brought about a lack of restraint in Judah and was very unfaithful to the Lord. So Tiklath, that guy, Pelnezer, king of Assyria, came against him and afflicted him instead of strengthening him. See, he called upon a foreigner. Instead of calling upon the Lord, he called upon what at that time was probably the strongest nation around him. That was a threat to him. And instead of strengthening him, what happened? He called for help from humans and the human king afflicted him instead. And although Ahaz had uh, took a portion out of the house of the Lord, this is how desperate he got, and out of the palace of the king and out of the princes and gave it to the king of Assyria, it did not help him. No matter how much you want to pay to unwise associations, you don't want to call upon the Lord so you start figuring out ways to pay off people to get help from sources other than God. You know what I'm saying? You start manipulating the situation, even to the effect that this guy somehow justified in his mind that he could take holy things out of the temple of God to pay off a king for protection. The whole while, God wanted to be the answer to the need in Judah, but he ignored God. And instead, he sold off the holy vessels, but it didn't help him. You ever been there before? trying to do everything under the sun to figure out a way out. And God's just waiting. How many more things are you going to sell off? How many more other places are you going to look for the answers until you come to me? Now, in the time of his distress, this same king Ahaz became yet more unfaithful to the Lord. For he sacrificed to the gods of Damascus, which had defeated him and said, because the gods of the kings of Aram helped them, I will sacrifice to them. They seem to be strong in war. I'll try them out. I'll try Buddha for a while if Jesus doesn't work. Ever heard that before? Whatever God works for you, it's about pragmatism. I'm glad Christianity, ever heard this before, works for you. I'm happy for you. I'm glad that works for you. See, truth is really today for a lot of people about pragmatism. What's that, Pastor Michael? That means whatever works, just do it. If this God is coming through for you, when you pull down the lever in Vegas, then baby, sacrifice to that God. And if this God's doing it for you next week, then sacrifice to that God. It doesn't matter. Just as long as they get you to the place of success. I'll worship at any altar. Just as long as I get where I'm going. These gods seem to do well for him. I'll worship them. I'll worship him. I'll worship them. I'll even sacrifice my children. If it'll bring me prosperity. And so he says, I'll sacrifice to them that they may help me, middle of 23, but they became the downfall of him and all Israel. See, what we think will lift us up often becomes our downfall. Moreover, when Ahaz gathered together the utensils of the house of God, he cut the utensils oh my, of the house of God in pieces. And he closed the doors of the house of the Lord and made altars for himself in every corner of Jerusalem. Is this guy just waiting for a lightning bolt to take him out? And in every city of Judah, he made high places to burn incense to other gods and provoke the Lord, the God of his fathers, to anger Now the rest of his acts and all his ways from first to last, behold, they are written in the book of the kings of Judah. There's a parallel passage in the king's uh, books as well, and Israel. And so Ahaz slept with his fathers. They buried him in the city in Jerusalem, for they did not bring him into the tombs of the kings of Israel. And Hezekiah, his son, reigned in his place. Now let me ask you a question. Go back to Isaiah. If a chapter had ever been written about you, Would you want it to say something like that? Would you want the last chapter of your life to say something like, they wouldn't even bury him in the place that kings are supposed to be buried because the guy was such a fool. Would you want your last words to be, I have played the fool and made too many mistakes and erred exceedingly like King Saul who wouldn't follow the ways of the Lord. Don't waste your life. There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. And God says, I am the one that you should come to for wisdom. What is wisdom? Well, some people say wisdom is knowledge applied. But in the Bible, wisdom is knowledge of the Holy One, of His ways, His will, and His provision, and then doing what you know to be right. Wisdom is God's word, God's will, God's word and God's ways applied. James rounds it out. He says don't be merely a hearer of God's word, but be a doer. That's the definition of wisdom is to know God's word and do it. After all, if wisdom is knowledge applied, then for the Christian, the ultimate way to live out wisdom is to apply the knowledge of the holy one in his ways. That's what God wanted the kings to do. He knew they were not perfect. God already knows you're not perfect. He doesn't need a newsflash. God, I'm not perfect. He knows that. He wouldn't have saved you in the first place because he already knew what he was getting when he saved you, right? So stop with that stuff because some of you talk yourself out of all kinds of things with that little phrase, but Lord, I'm not Don't say that. God already knows what you are. But he's saying, now that you know what you know, the key is to apply wisdom. To know my word and my ways and to put it into practice. Would you all say that that's probably the biggest disconnect that we have today going on in the church? Going on sometimes, frankly, in our own lives? So we need to get wisdom. And in all our getting, we need to get understanding And the key is then apply. Take God's word and trust that when you apply it, he will do what he has promised. He provides the wisdom. He provides the power. All he asks you to do is apply it. Appropriate it. Turn the key. He'll start the engine. Are you with me? That's what Ahaz refused to do. He looked everywhere else. Verse 2, Isaiah 7. When it was reported to the house of David, this is a synonym for the king of Judah, which is Ahaz. So when it was reported to Ahaz, or the house of David, saying, the Arameans, or later known as Syria, have camped in Ephraim, they're starting to move to the south, his heart, verse 2, and the hearts of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake in the wind. He said, man, these people are deployed. He gets the report, serious forces are deployed in Ephraim, New King James. This is known by, in, uh, by historians as the Syro-Ephraimite Alliance. And the people hear it. They hear that the Syrian forces are deployed in Ephraim, and man, they are shaken like trees in the forest on a windy day. Have you ever been there before? Have you ever gotten news that just, man, shakes you to your core well the people hear it and they know they've already been through a lot and they know the people have to know we've got an unwise king god's angry with us and now we hear that armies are now being fortified and they're now assembling a little bit away from us with intentions to come after us what would you be thinking i think we ought to have a prayer meeting i think we better talk to the king and see if he'll take down some of those high places and stop burning that fire in the valley and Burning his children to the god Molech. I think somehow God has decided that he's going to deal with us. The people are shaken. Imagine if it was you. Imagine if you heard a huge army had assembled. The historians say of the Assyrians that they were skilled and constant in systematic cruelty. These people were not only warlike people, but when they came and they took you out, they were cruel to the core. You got captured by one of these uh, armies, you'd be better off dead. And the people are shaken because they know they're outnumbered, but not only do they know they're outnumbered, but they know that they don't even have a God on their side. There's a deep sense within the people that somehow this is a judgment of God. And the Lord said to Isaiah, Now, Isaiah's gotten that commission, right? He's seen the the glory of the Lord in Isaiah 6, and he's gotten the commission, but he already knows what his job is. He's gonna tell a bunch of people to get right with God, and they are not gonna listen. And so he's been called, and he goes, verse 3, he goes out, the Lord says to Isaiah, go out now and meet Ahaz, you and your son Sheer Jehob you like that? <laughs> at the end of the conduit of the upper pool on the highway to the Fuller's Field, go out and meet him at the place of washing is the idea here. And the idea here is that the king has gone out to do a little investigation. Most agree he's looking at the water supply. The king's taking a walk. You ever been there before? you gotten some news. You know the odds are stacked against you. The king's walking, and he's looking at the water supply because he knows something. He knows in ancient warfare that if they destroy that water supply, they're going to starve us out. And he's trying to look at it to see what's going on. And uh, they say that it, this uh, ancient pool connects probably running all the way to the pool of Siloam and it's that ancient aqueduct. The, the, I think it's called the Sihon Spring. And he's looking at it and there's a washerman's field and what they used to do is they take clothes with cold water, and they'd they'd stamp on the clothes. That's how they washed their clothes. And there was a field to do the washing. Aren't you so glad you have your automatic thing now? We even whine about the automatic thing now. Can't it put the clothes in the laundry basket, fold them for me, (laughs) and no. But anyway, and so they do this dance out there to clean the clothes, and there's the king walking around. You ever been in this situation? You're walking around, you're thinking about things, and
2: all of a sudden, a message comes to you.
0: You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment.
2: Merry Christmas from Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team.
1: We're so grateful to all of our partners who partner with Walk in Truth.
2: Since last year, our listener partnerships have grown. Last Christmas, we let our listeners know it cost over $150,000 a year to fund this ministry. That includes radio airtime podcasting, promotion, equipment, supplies, and one part-time staff member. At this time last year, we were excited to report listener support had reached 25% of our overall budget. The rest is funded by Living Truth Christian Fellowship Church Funds. Now that has grown to 31%. And because of that, we have added Walk in Truth to three more radio stations where more people have had a chance to hear these teachings. We could still use your help too.
1: And if you've been listening for a while, you know that I rarely do this and I'm not necessarily even comfortable asking for or finances, but the reality is that this program has to pay for radio airtime and what we do and it's a blessing to partner with what you believe in, with the gospel ministry that hopefully has been a blessing to you.
2: If that's you, would you please consider giving an end-of-the-year tax-deductible donation? Please give a one-time gift on behalf of you, your family, or business. You can help us pay for airtime for the radio station or podcast app you listen to. Visit walkintruth.com and click on Donate. That's walkintruth.com Click donate.
0: We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walkin' Truth.
1: Can't it put the clothes in the laundry basket, fold them for me? And <laughs> no. But anyway, and so they do this dance out there to clean the clothes, and there's the king walking around. You ever been in this situation? You're walking around, you're thinking about things, and all of a sudden, a message comes to you. Isaiah's been sent, and he's with this son, and this son has a symbolic name. He meets him at the end of the conduit of the upper pool, verse three, on the highway to the Fuller's Field. And say to him, this is what God tells him to say, take care, and be calm, have no fear, and do not be faint-hearted. Have you ever been in that situation where, man, you're, you're shaking, your knees are knocking together, and the message comes, be calm. And you're like, oh, "Yeah, oh easy for you to say. You don't have the armies gathering to the north, man, coming down to the south right now. You don't realize the odds that are against me right now. right?" But this is the message. This is what God says. In essence, what God's saying is, trust me, take care. Some of you need to mark this tonight. Be calm. Have no fear. Do not be faint-hearted. Because of these, notice what God calls them, these two stubs of smoldering firebrands. You want to know what these armies are to me, says God. One writer said they're like two cigarette butts, barely smoldering, laying on the ground. That's what they are to me. They're two stumps. They're two firebrands pulled out of the fire, out of the bonfire, that's all they are to me. Calm down. But in times like that, we we often think, but Lord, but they look big to me. (laughs) I mean, uh, big numbers, you're you're an invisible God. I mean, I wanna trust you. And Isaiah is called to show up and tell him on account of their fierce anger of Rezin and and Aram and the son of Remaliah, just be calm trust me. Verse five, because Aram with Ephraim and the son of Remaliah has planned evil against you saying, God's, by the way, God knows what the, the plotting of the evil is against you. He knows what they say in the back rooms. He knows what they say in the back smoky rooms when they close the door. Here's what they're saying. Let us go up against Judah and terrorize it and make for ourselves a breach in its walls and set up the son of Tabeel, that idea there is a worthless king, a a good for nothing. Let's put a puppet king as king in the midst of it. We'll supplant Ahaz. That's what they're talking about. See, he's not on board. We want to make an alliance with him, but he's not agreeing to the alliance. We know Assyria is a threat. We know that they're strong. So if the three nations can come together, great. But if he's not on board, I guess we're going to just have to take him out. We'll replace him. We'll put a puppet king up there. Thus says the Lord God, It shall not stand, nor shall it come to pass. This is the message, Isaiah, you're supposed to share with the frightened king and the people. Tell them, I know what these people are planning, and their plans will not prosper. Do you believe that? You believe not only the Lord knows, but he will keep his promises to you? For the head of Aram is Damascus, the head of Damascus is Rezin. Now within another 65 years, Ephraim will be shattered, eight, so that it is no longer a people. Get this. I told you the year 735 is when Ahaz starts to reign. By about 670 B.C. I'm not a mathematician, but I think that's 65 years. Exactly. As the prophet prophesied, Israel's population was effaced from history. Foreign colonists were settled in Israel by the Assyrian kings, Their intermarriage, as I mentioned earlier, with a few Israelites who had not been deported resulted in the Samaritans and marked the end of Ephraim, the capital there of the north, as a separate nation. God says in 65 years, they won't even be a people anymore. The ones you're so frightened about, they won't even exist anymore really as a people. You think about that? Why do you fear a man? What's his lifespan? If he's lucky, he gets 80 or 90, maybe 100 years. And then what? Why do you fear him who can kill the body, but after that he has no power over you? But we live so much of our life in fear of man. Man who is temporary. Man who's like the grass of the field. The head of Ephraim 9 is Samaria. And the head of Samaria is the son of Remaliah. If you, and the you is plural, will not believe you surely shall not last. Have you noticed that now it's coming down to faith? Remember I told you that Ahaz is a good example of a man who doesn't ask in faith, and so that man can't expect that he'll receive anything from the Lord. God's saying it's out there. I've already told you, I know their plans. I know what they're plotting in the back room. I'm telling you their plans are not gonna stand, but the issue here. The key to turn what I have promised is, if you will not believe, then you surely will not last. If you have a King James, New King James, it says, you will not be established. In the Hebrew, there's a word play here with the words believe and established. They're a play on the same Hebrew word from which we get our English word, amen. It is something like this. Hold God in doubt and you'll not hold out. Or literally, if you do not firm up, you will not be confirmed, or the NIV renders it really well. If you do not stand firm in your faith, verse 9, you will not stand at all. Wow. Here's the message. Will you believe Ahaz? I know the armies are huge. I know that the odds against you are stacked, but will you believe that this God who has guided Judah all the way to this point, through the history of the Exodus and the kings and David being that shepherd boy and rising up to the throne and Solomon and all his glory in the temple, do you believe that I will maintain the throne? Do you believe that I will maintain my promises? Will you stand firm in your faith? God has promises and provision for you, but they are taken hold of by faith. What is faith? John Murray, the Scottish theologian, defines faith as, listen, listen, a whole-souled movement of intelligent, consenting, and confiding self-commitment. Intellect, feeling, and will converge upon Christ. There is a consensus of all the functions of man's heart and mind. Now faith, Hebrews 11, 1, is the what? Assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. Faith is... NIV is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. What is faith? Faith believes in the promises of God. Faith is confidence in God. Faith is saying, God, I believe that you will keep your word. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And by it, men of old gained approval.
0: You've been listening to Emmanuel, God with us, part two on walk in truth. That's pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah chapter seven, verses one through four. And don't forget, if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to walk in truth on the living truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, thanks for listening to walk in truth on this station and on your podcast app. And if you'd like to watch recent messages or church services with pastor Michael and the living truth congregation, Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Living Truth Christian Fellowship. You can find that channel and learn more about Walk in Truth on our website, walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael.
1: Well, as you listen to Isaiah chapter 7, you may be thinking, well, how do we really know this scripture is about Jesus? Well, because we take scripture with scripture, and in Matthew chapter 1, we are told what Emmanuel means, and it is applied to Jesus. Emmanuel, God, with us. Now, this beautiful promise is so encouraging because it's really what Christmas is all about. In the incarnation, God became one of us. Not only was he with us, but he became one of us and entered into our pain, entered into our experience, uh, entered to live the perfect life that we failed to live, to die the sacrificial death that only he could die since he was the sinless sacrifice. To rise triumphantly from the dead is only he could do because it was impossible for death to hold him. He's the archegos. He's the prince of life. And this is how we know that Isaiah 7 applies to Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. Well, this is Pastor Michael Lance, and I'm so glad that you are with us listening to this program right now. And how beautiful is it that we get a chance to share in one of the wonderful Christmas prophecies uh, during this season as we simply move through the book of Isaiah. And it's great that you're with us. So uh, I just want to encourage you to keep listening and tell a friend about what you're hearing here on Walk in Truth. And remember, uh, we deeply appreciate all of you who are partnering with us to make this uh, ministry happen, to pay for airtime, and to help others know the good news of the gospel. And listen, um, you know the the most important thing we could say about this reality, God with us, is that God is with you. And if you're feeling alone this Christmas season, or maybe you're feeling like, man, things are tough, uh, just remember God joined in with us, entered into our world, into time and space, if you will, uh, to bear our burden. That's how much He loves you. So if you're feeling alone or you're feeling like you don't know what to do next, trust in Him, begin to walk with Him, read His Word, pray daily, and you will find that you'll get to know Him better and better, and you'll find more and more what life is all about. Well, uh, this is a a special year-end time when we can think about what we're going to give to, how we're going to... Spend our money and all that good stuff. And if you want to partner with Walk in Truth, you can do that. When you go to walkintruth.com, click on the church tab, walkintruth.com. Click on that church tab. You can become a monthly partner or give a one-time end-of-the-year gift. We deeply appreciate either. And we especially appreciate all of you who pray for us. This is Pastor Michael. We love you, and we'll catch you right here tomorrow.
0: And join us tomorrow for part three of Pastor Michael Lance's teaching in Isaiah chapter 7, one through four called Emmanuel, God with us. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.